started his, at 13? He started, like, pr making beats at Out 14. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, like, when he was around 20 or something, his friend Cootie started fucking recording him, like, every day. Like everywhere, like he followed him to New York. He followed That's him like weird, around but like, before well, he was no, even like, like majorly famous. Yeah, was, he was he was moderately. He uh, was like he was like famous in Chicago. Like yeah. he had like an underground like fame. He, he produced for a lot of artists that were big at that time, but okay. since mostly the, big in Chicago though. Yeah, I think yeah, it was the Chicago scene yeah. in general. And since people don't really care about anyone that isn't the rapper or the group of artists themselves, it's like he wasn't going to get well, recognized until he started yeah. rapping on the beats and well, people he, were like, Ayo. He was part of a rap group. He was called he was part of the rap group called the Go Getters or whatever. But he um the problem was is that at the time Chicago, at least according to Kanye and like everyone at the time in Chicago, their their view was that like people who listen to hip hop, they really only focused on like the coastal scenes, like in New York or LA, which was largely true, you know, focusing on like the fucking Biggie and Pac beef or whatever. And like everything else that went on between yeah. them. Yeah. Hip hop wasn't the main popular music at yeah. that time as well. It was like more Would of you a, say it's um, the, the drama between it. That was more interesting or maybe. it wasn't really the drama. I mean, there was drama involved in it. They like, were just especially the biggest, with West coast. They were just the biggest scenes oh, in general. Okay. So they got the most like recognition. Um, and like those were like where like all the breakout artists were coming from, you know, like uh like Nas, Jay Z, fucking Common, like all these rappers coming out of New York, and then from L.A. you got like Biggie, fucking or not Biggie, I'm sorry, you got like Tupac, other people, I don't know many West. <laughs> Snoop, Snoop, like Snoop Dogg, you know, there's yeah. there's like a lot of people, um, but like in Chicago they weren't really getting recognized. So like uh, but like the moment that like Cootie and Kanye met, Cootie knew like he was like. I know this guy's going to be a star. And so like followed him. Like he asked Kanye, like, could I follow you around and document your life? You know, like as you go through this. Oh, and he really? was like, he was like, yeah, follow me around. That's kind of so, like, cool. Yeah, That's no, it, 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 honestly, it is really cool. But like to him, I could not imagine fucking going back and trying to edit any of that <laughs> footage because it's literally all of it. A lot of it was on tapes and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like you're probably going back to like labeled tapes where it's like written like, Kanye visits Jay-Z at Rockefeller or whatever. Yeah. Like I couldn't even imagine like having to go back and pull footage or edit it or Is that anything. what the documentary was? Is that all of his footage? They used a lot of it's, that footage, yeah. I think it's majority Cootie's footage. They'll pull like shit from like other interview clips or whatever, you know, at the time. But that's like, still really cool, especially yeah, like having such a well documented yeah. like event too. It's and really weird to you find. You see, like, like I feel like it really humanizes Kanye in a lot of ways because Wrong. it makes you it makes you see his uh, <laughs> he's a demon. <laughs> makes you see like his process and like his feelings and where he's coming from when he makes his music and stuff. You like that. You can see his inspiration like growing yeah. in the in the documentary because he's like sitting in like this one one room studio apartment. Yeah, and it, it looks hot as fuck in there. They've got like three <laughs> fans pointed around. It's it's cool. Yeah, it is cool. And like how he, he talked about like how um someone just no ID, I think he's like a Chicago rapper. He like taught him how to make beats and this oh, other shit. guy named fucking Doug Infinite or whatever. Doug Infinite. Yeah. <laughs> so like they um, you know, they it, it just followed like his whole process and everything. It was really cool. But I've only seen it's like a three parter. I've only seen the first part. What's really interesting is in that first episode, they captured the scene where he like one of the pinnacle moments of Kanye's career when he walked into the record label. I forget which one it actually was, but he probably walked, Rockefeller. Yeah. Um, 
he walks in and he starts playing just like it's just like <laughs> people are working in the label just going about their day and he just walks in and starts playing his demo tapes yeah, or like a certain song he, he just like goes into the fucking record label no appointment with anyone like he knows some of the people because he's involved in the scene as a producer mm-hmm. or whatever but he doesn't have like an appointment with jay-z or with the other like Dame Dash or like any of the other owners oh, like of, the, manager. of the record label. Yeah, he's just like walking around into different offices, popping in his tape and playing it and like rapping it in front of people. And there's and people you, like on the phone. Yeah, like, there's trying to do a phone call while Kanye's mixtape is playing. There's literally like a shot of like him rapping and like smiling and being like, you know, just all into it. And then it pans over to like this girl and she has like the most deadpan face on her look, just staring at Kanye. And it's like a fucking bit in the office. But that's like how we got recognized yeah no i was do what you gotta do yeah it's it's the grind set for sure he was grinding i'm pretty sure that's how he got picked up because he was doing that stuff kind of because like he the i think a big reason why he got like recognition is because of his production on jay-z like one of jay-z's biggest album or whatever the what's it well that wasn't the thing that established him as a rapper i'm saying yeah maybe not as a rapper artist of himself yeah he was confident in his own rapping ability he was Mm -hmm. so confident in his rapping ability (laughs) that he could go do that yeah yeah and I think that was what the moment where people, not only in the office, but people around him were like, this guy's kind of got chops. Yeah. Well, he was already a good producer, like you said, yeah. but people didn't want to hear producers rap on their own beats because it was something that was kind of just unheard of at the time. How Taboo. old was he when he was starting to do that? Dude, like 22, 23, maybe. Yeah, he was young as hell. I'm about to head into the yeah. studio. Fuck, what he am was, I doing right now? <laughs> he was like 20 when he first started like getting filmed by Cootie and like in the Chicago scene, like... Like he started making beats at 14 and then gained notoriety up until 20 and then around 20 moved to New York or whatever. Okay. It's insane how that shit happens. I mean, even yeah. the uh, Lil Nas X's uh, Old Town Road was produced by just, I think it was some Swedish kid that was just making beats online. And then <laughs> okay. Lil Nas X was like, you know what, I'll, I'll pay for this beat and then I'll make a random country song over it. And it turned out to be like literally the biggest song of what, 2017? Hell yeah. Dude, could you imagine being that producer and being like, fuck. I should have got a royalty. Deal. Yeah, he probably got royalties. I mean, Lil Nas X maybe. is pretty progressive, so I feel like he yeah, def- maybe. He definitely got his money. I mean, it, de- for it, de- it it all depends because it's like if you are like if I'm like a small time artist, you know, and I go up to this producer and I buy a beat off him for like twenty bucks or fifty bucks or whatever, then like then I blow up like out of nowhere, you know. It's not like I wrote into I wrote in royalties because like I didn't assume anything was going to happen with it. But I guess maybe after the fact you can establish might. after the fact. Yeah, I mean with DistroKid and a lot of other uh, like mediums for streaming services, they're pretty good about that. Yeah. Um, I think Spotify is doing something like that too, where they're uh, having the ability to split up the credits like that because cool. they're they already added the like the extended credits. Yeah. List. You can see like who actually like went into making yeah. the song. You can see like the songwriters and stuff, Yeah, which I feel like is weird. Cause it, it, it's, it's really weird. I feel because like when we would, when we were in that like rock, rock and soul class or whatever, like the songwriters had notoriety, like people, like there were known songwriters yeah. um, that produced songs for people. But then I feel like a lot of like, maybe between like the nine, like from the nineties to the 2010s, like songwriters weren't really talked about. You know what I mean? Like it was sort of like brushed under the rug. Like it it might've been like assumed that there are songwriters are known, but I feel like people like, at least in my mind, 
I thought that like, you know, no Britney Spears and Beyonce, like they're all writing their own songs and doing yeah. that all the time. But it's not necessarily true. If you <laughs> looking on the credits on a lot of different albums, I can yeah. see like this person took like a random guitar lick and just used it again. And yeah. it's in the credits of the album. And it's like people don't realize how much of music is not only improvised, but taken just from other people. Yeah. Or like borrowed, they yeah. or like talent is borrowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Copyright's like, fucked. Well, I don't think that's a copyright thing. It's just it's. It's, it's just more so like people don't realize like how many ways you can like recontextualize like a single melody or like a single bass line or something oh, like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like you can take one melody from one song, put it over a different bass line and you have like a whole new song. Or something. It's more about I feel the like collaboration. Just, oh, okay. I feel like a lot of people just don't understand how many like working parts there are inside of a song. Yeah. And that's uh, because you're not like the main artist that is per, is like putting the music out on their Spotify page or like their title page mm-hmm. or whatever. No one's going to look at the rest of the credits because it's like it's Britney Spears's song, yeah. mm-hmm. but with like 11 songwriting credits, four mixing <laughs> credits, yeah. like one mastering credit. <laughs> yeah. And the, if people don't realize how collaborative music actually is beyond just the artist making the beat or like singing over the song or whatever. Yeah. Taking a song for face value, you don't realize how much more actually goes into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of recontextualizes the uh, phrase that music brings people together, where it's like it quite literally brings together like a group of 20 people to work <laughs> on this one fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's really talk about what, what actually matters. Why does the Kanye documentary suck? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched the other, how many episodes are there? Like three? Yeah, I think it's three total. I haven't seen the other two. Yeah. Um Mostly because I know what happens after that point, but it would be nice to just go back and watch uh, like Hootie's documentary version of it. Do you think there's like any point in watching the the later parts? I mean, it's interesting. If If you you don't know who Kanye is or like if you only know Kanye from like his weird antics online today, then I think you should. Because I think it does it follow his life up to Donda? No, it's like his early like before he became it was like when he was a breakout artist. Okay, okay. Up until, uh, or I guess before he was um, an actual breakout artist, was uh, leading Kanye up really? to that point, was Kanye always bald? He was. He had was that short hair? He, yeah, he had like a buzz cut kind of. Okay, for like a crew, he wasn't as bald as he is today. Okay, okay, that's all I was curious about. Yeah. He also, he sounds so young in the yeah. fucking documentary. Like he sounds like a like a kid, you know, because he is. He's like twenty. Yeah, and also he's like braces and a retainer and shit. Yeah, and then he got put back on yeah, I know. mouse gear when he got into that car accident. Yeah, and yeah, I never knew that about uh, Kanye and why it was called Through the Wire or like <laughs> yeah. I just I and I know it's like stupid, but it's, it's like, like very on the, the nose yeah. through the wire as in through his braces. Yeah, because oh, like he got head, uh, I don't know, head head cast. <laughs> yeah, because he, he got in like a really really bad car accident, and so his jaw was wired shut. Okay, and so like. But through that, he still like recorded like a whole studio album. Oh, so damn. he's like rapping like with the, like, yeah. You can like hear this. his teeth. Yeah, you can. Shut. You can hear it. Like he had. I think he talks about like how he had to like practice rapping like like that, <laughs> so like he could be able to like flow and like actually do about to whip it out yeah. on the next album. He's. I'm bringing back the old flow. <laughs> yeah. Where I just can't. I'm, rap. <laughs> I'm getting my jaw wired shut, guys. <laughs> Permanently. <laughs> I'm done talking. Uh, going back to like the collaborative nature of albums or music in general, not really being recognized. There's a good example of that, which is like Frank Ocean being of like of odd future fame. He did like a lot of songwriting for a lot of po- very popular artists like Justin oh, yeah. Bieber. Yeah, I think it was either before he released Channel Orange or like right when he released Channel Orange. There are like a lot of popular artists who 
or not even necessarily because they're usually not the most popular, but they're like they're like pretty well known artists who are like songwriters for like a lot of the most popular artists. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy to me. Um, because like because they know it's think. like I know they, JPEG Mafia Mafia talked about like writing shit for other people instead of Kendrick Lamar. Um, I don't know who though. It's because yeah. those artists have such like such big name names. Yeah. So you're you're gonna get way more money for doing something for them because of the royalties. You would get like a bigger True, dividend yeah. if you just make your own music, which is unfortunate, but it's a good way to make yeah. money. Yeah, exactly. It's like you have the vehicle to do something, even if it's not your creative baby or whatever, you can use that money then to produce your creative baby. And it's a good idea for specialization in like an art field because someone could be really good at uh, just writing lyrics, but like their yeah. voice may not be as as uh, powerful yeah. or as uh, as high of a range as someone who else, someone else who can sing way better or something like that. I'll be honest. Some people sound lame as fuck on tracks <laughs> when they rap. That's me. <laughs> That's me. It's, I sound a little lame too. Shut the fuck up. I do. I don't like my rapper. voice. You're a rapper. No, You're I'm literally not. a rapper at heart. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm a poet at heart. <laughs> but like, um, I just know how to do like flows, I think. That's really all I can do. That's fair. I feel like that carries a lot more weight than just like having a good sounding voice. Maybe. But I, I think it all, I think it's all like, I think it's an emergent package, you know, that like makes someone good. Because like with JPEG Mafia, as an example, because I just listen to him a lot, like his energy and his voice and his delivery like it all works in the context of his song like it'd be um just put his voice on a different track and it'd be super weird up. yeah you know, that's like, why i don't like a lot of his features yeah like they, they sound they, weird on either that, yeah because it's like um he'll do like a lot of distortions and like other weird like vocal shit and he i don't think he really does that usually for his features because his voice works so much better in his own production yeah because he knows how to use it and his, yeah, exactly. his style's a lot less structured yeah so when he goes on a feature it sounds like he's uh trying to fit into a mold that he doesn't necessarily fit into like yeah. he's rapping on something that is a very clean um i don't even know how to describe it very structured very clean beat or a song that's in general just mean. like more poppy Something that's like very cut and dry, like easy to digest, yeah. like as a piece of art. Or it's whatever. not always easy to digest, which is why I'm kind of trying to get a more specific answer, but mm -hmm. I can't really think of what I'm trying to go for. Yeah. It just doesn't really fit his style most of the time. It could be alternative or it could be a little bit weird, but I think just a little bit weird cannot contain JPEG Mafia. <laughs> yeah. An interesting feature that I think actually did really, he did really well on was, um, I think, I think it's called MLS with gorillas or whatever. Like it, it's like oh it's the a, album where he had ALS <laughs> yeah that one where they did the ALS ice bucket challenge um, on the track the um, the melodies that he does like on his um, his other shit because like a lot of that is like auto tuned shit you know it's more like acoustic auto tuned yeah. in these you know which I I think it sounded good yeah but it, it was like it felt different than what he usually does and it like it worked because it felt like the gorillas do interesting things like mm. they try to. Uh, work in different um, uh, styles. Yeah, different styles and stuff. What do you guys feel about the the, the auto tune scene? Like how I think it's pretty interesting because because of how much uh, people are working with it now. It's like before there was kind of a stigma against it. Yeah, especially in pop music where people were using it more as just like a uh, a tool to make you sound better. Yeah, but I feel like the the stigma comes from low effort auto tunes. Yeah, I don't even think that it's. 
it can be. Oh, well, I think the stigma is against low effort auto tune just because they're using auto tune. Because I think low effort auto tune doesn't really it doesn't really make sense to say that it's bad. It's like the the majority of like punk music is just people playing like the same chord over and over again. Yeah. Would you consider that low effort? Because okay. I, yeah. I don't think it's bad. Yeah, I think it's like it's just a style of music. You know what yeah. I mean? Because like the I think it comes from like the same point of view where people will be like anybody can make dubstep. Anybody can make EDM music. You know, you and just like can. you just type it, you just type some shit into a yeah. computer. You know what I mean? Like they like they'll make they think that there's some like, you know, in terms of using like an instrument, like it's this it's like put on a pedestal versus like uh electronic production. And so autotune falls into that because it's like you can yeah. use autotune in a lot of different ways to just make your song better, you know what I mean? But nowadays um it's more so for like an interesting effect or something. Something I will say is um, T-Pain was ahead of the game. He was ahead of the game. Yeah, I know. But now everybody's using auto-tune. <laughs> yeah. And, and also what's crazy is that T-Pain has an incredible voice. Like, it's, it's actually insane. And that's something that people don't usually realize is that you have to still be able to sing at least somewhat to yeah. be able to auto-tune well. Because if you're hitting in between notes, it's going to sound like the computer's fluctuating between the notes that you're trying to hit. Yeah. And it just sounds like a goat. Yeah, garbage. Unlike T Pain, who is actually the goat. Yeah, he's, he's a great singer, but he just yeah, uses yeah. auto tune as and, like an artistic tool. And I think he does a lot of songwriting for other artists as well. Yeah, he streams now too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's insane. He just he's just making beats all day, especially with like a uh, hyperpop coming up nowadays. That's like the main tool that yeah. they're using. Or is it is it even auto tuned or is it just sped up, <laughs> pitched up? It's a whole bunch <laughs> of shit. Yeah. It's like a a very high. <laughs> flanger or chorus effect distortion uh maybe some bit reduction auto-tune chorus, like chorus, three yeah. of them maybe flanger yeah it's <laughs> oh, a flanger yeah yeah hold up i just got a colon crunch my audio real quick <laughs> auto-tune vocals are really hard to get right too because there, there's so much nuance that comes out in your voice in auto-tune and it just sounds you can hear it way more if you're fucking up like yeah. if you don't go to a note right away or you fluctuate or you're yeah. just not hitting the correct note it's going to sound a little off so it's like it's less of a tool nowadays for correcting your pitch or correcting your singing and more of just like a, an effect that you put on your voice. Yeah, yeah I'm going to pitch correct this entire uh, podcast episode. I want to see how that sounds. It's going to be awful. We're in C at all points. Uh, welcome to the Pitch to C uh, episode the monotone of the cast. No Thought Podcast. <laughs> welcome to the No Thought Podcast. My name is Zane. My name is Anthony. I'm Alex. Oh, wait, yeah, that's the intro. <laughs> yeah. Forgot we didn't do that. Hey, welcome to the worst podcast on the internet. <laughs> Beat. How do you feel like what? the fallout has been with <laughs> your group of friends now that we make fun of you for I just it? think it's funny <laughs> for the most part. Um, yeah, I, I really don't because I know who I am. You guys project weird shit onto me. Like what? But, uh, yeah, such as? That I'm a foot fetish freak. I don't need them. Okay, they need me. Yeah. <laughs> the feet need you. He's actually. But yeah. Let's what, not. What state let's not roommate on that? No, it's a kink. Okay. Okay. We're having a family guy there right now. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode is just callbacks to other episodes. Yeah, yeah the, the reminiscing. Cut to episode <laughs> one. <laughs> um. So I recently started a, a full time job, as I've stated before, and it's working in an office is really 
something that I've thought about like my entire life, not really like wanting to get into it, but just something that I'm like, I know I'm probably going to end up here because of like the career path that I chose. And being here is really kind of funny to me because of how many stereotypes and like common occurrences that people make fun of in the office that I see literally every single day. Like no one talks to each other other than like the good morning, Bill. Oh, good morning, Tony. And then they just go about their business doing shit. Hell yeah. I don't want to fucking talk to other people. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. How, that's how I would describe the, the kitchen as well. It's like the people they hire at my company are all like super nice. But like when you go into the kitchen, all it is is just like the most polite anti-social people you have ever <laughs> met like they desire zero interaction they have zero confidence in themselves yeah. and they <laughs> do not wish to speak and like i'm all for it well I there's a reason it. why they're working in the kitchen they don't want to work fucking front facing yeah i don't blame yeah. them and something that i've noticed too is uh my work uh the power goes out very frequently <laughs> and since <laughs> that we're, sounds awesome since <laughs> most of our work is like accounting and uh like business oriented like marketing and then like the engineering team all doing stuff online, it's very tough to do any work when your your power is out. Really? So just this pa- yeah, really. <laughs> this past week, the power went out again, and it was me and the other two like youngest coworkers. It was like two twenty five year olds. Okay. Um, we were just sitting there like on the bench outside, waiting for the power to come back on. Come back on, and it was really nice talking to them because it was like people that I don't. It's like pe- people from you don't that converse I, with them. Usually. Yeah, I, I mean, they sit really close to me, like in the office, but I have no means of communicating with them. I'm yeah. not going to be like, hey, so uh, what are you doing after yeah. work today? Oh, I do that shit all the time. I'm not afraid to just like lay on hands. Well, the, I would uh, I would want to <laughs> lay on hands. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking of the D&D spell, but actually now that I say it, it sounds much worse. You're thinking of common communication and D&D spells? You're like, <laughs> I need to ask this person for something. Command. <laughs> Command. Come. <laughs> but yeah, it's just nice talking to them because it made me, because we were talking about like anime and shit, which was like obviously something that we were all very passionate about. So it was nice talking to them, befriending them. But going back like the next day, it was Friday, um, just going back to work and like not talking to them. I'm like, damn, this really is the office. Cause like, there's no way I can get up and just talk to these people except for like on lunch break. Yeah. But even then people just pop in their AirPods yeah. and watch on a fucking Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> yeah. There is like a weird, uh, work relationship dynamic that just kind of inherently exists in any place where it's like, I know you, I can be best friends with you at work. But the moment I clock out, I don't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> don't talk to me. Don't look at me. And I will probably run you over yeah. with my car. It's like um, the levels like you have like best friendship and then friendship and then like acquaintance. Work friend is like somewhere in between acquaintance no, and friend. Work is outside the, the, peer, the food pyramid. <laughs> I feel like a work friend pyramid. is something that occupies a very niche space because you can know them really well at work. Then but you're not going to be talking to them. They are a work. mass murderer. <laughs> like you have no idea. You don't know how many saying. people could like that's, feet at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they are beyond an acquaintance, but they're not exactly a friend. You talk to them like day to day most of the time. But like, because like when I think of an acquaintance, that's someone that I've like, I had a class with in high school and like, I see them maybe like once a month now or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Like versus like, a work friend. It's someone I see every day. I might talk to them every day. Um, and there's some level of friendship there. So it's more than an acquaintance. That's what I see. I, I make the disconnect there where at acquaintance is someone that I would see quite often. I But I really don't really care 
to know them as I would deeply say, as like being a friend. Yeah, I would say like a work acquaintance or a work friend is something that is a little bit less than an acquaintance in my personal life. Okay. Or uh, we not all really, have differing definitions of what it's not really something that I, I it's not like a value wise I'm judging it on. It's just yeah, how are. close I actually am to them. <laughs> That's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> work friend is above acquaintance but work acquaintance is below acquaintance work acquaintance is just someone i go hey good morning <laughs> yeah that's someone I. that's someone who is at work and you know of them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly because there's nobody at work that i feel like i shouldn't talk to i mean there's people Except that i brenda Brad, that fuck. bitch <laughs> <From> accounting <laughs> There's people that I feel like I definitely would not be friends with outside of work, but there's a level of professionalism that we can have a common ground on where I yeah, can just definitely. talk to them about whatever the fuck. Yeah, you you shouldn't because until like, they start getting racist. But yeah, there's there's a lot of Trump supporters that work in like oh, the really? technicians' office and like shipping and receiving. So I'm a little really? bit nervous to talk to them because they're like the they're they're like old Gen Xers, so they're like nearly boomer type. I mean, they're like not allowed to bring that shit up at work though. Uh, they. They don't, but I feel like they would. <laughs> I feel like they're passionate about it. But I feel like I could have a conversation with them on like a professional level. It'd be like, oh, what's wrong yeah. with this equipment? And he's like, oh, it's fucking bugging out. It's doing some crazy shit. Some yeah. Li- liberal do your shit. Jobs. Then you some blow up the server. <laughs> People rag on the engineering team all the time. They're like, oh, come on, smart guy. That's what they're paying you the big bucks for. When the fucking power went out, the, <laughs> me and my coworker were just sitting there and someone comes up um, and they're like, come on, get this shit working. And I'm like, I'm a software engineer. <laughs> <laughs> I type commands, dog. Yeah, let me write a fucking I'm not touching on script not, to get the internet back up. I'm not touching copper wire. Okay, <laughs> come the fuck on. Yeah, touching like the open breaker box. Yeah, yeah. I just admit, like, it is hilarious to me the, the idea of just like a this just super exposed copper wire on just like this super advanced like aerospace. Have you guys ble- seen uh, yes. the witch doctor meme on? Uh, there's an artist called DB Witch. Witch Doctor, I think his name is, on uh, Twitter. He makes those really fucked up black and white sketches. Oh, yeah. I know. The one that he's kind of famous for is like the exposed nerve ending one where it's just two block dudes. That's what I imagine touching the copper wire is like. (laughs) (laughs) Why the fuck is your power continually going out? It's just the city. It's like not, Uh it doesn't have good infrastructure. So it goes out. Well, they said that this year particularly is bad because the week that I was interviewing there, the power went out the previous week and they were complaining about it saying like, oh, what, you know, we have to get all these servers back up. Yeah. Uh, we're hiring data. you actually to uh, turn back on the power when it goes That's out. what my manager said. He was like, you can help with this shit if you're <laughs> able to, uh, like, I, I know IT stuff. I know how to work with servers a little bit. So he was like, you can help out. And I was like, okay, cool. Turn it off and turn it on again. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally, okay. So like my manager and the person under him we're out Friday, like right after the whole power outage went out. So I spent the entire day like in the server room going like, oh, God, what the fuck's going on? I'm like on the call center uh, IT support. Like <laughs> they're like, uh, you got to go to the Wi-Fi box. You got to turn it off and turn it back on again. Do you see the lights? I'm like, yeah, I see the lights. They're, they're on. And he's like, all right, turn it off. And he's like, wait 10 seconds. I'm like, OK, cool. What's next? Like I, I could do this in my sleep. Yeah. They, they think everyone's a boomer in the office, which is yeah. fair because most people don't have a lot of uh, internet and computer literacy. Like, literally with servers, the thing is that they're all it, like they have they're preloaded. Sufficient. Well, they like once you set them up, it's all the fucking commands are preloaded. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you just have to fucking reset everything. Unless it's, unless there's some crazy shit. Yeah, going it, on. But that's the problem. It's yeah. like as soon as something is wrong, it's like, oh, God, something yeah. is very what wrong. What the fuck is happening? Because it's mostly like you said, it's not like a... Uh, 
like an outside operated machine. It's supposed to be all operated by itself. That's yeah. why it, there's a whole fucking rack to be able to do everything. Like a whole slot just used for the computing and processing power. And then like all the drives you can offload to another rack. And then there's like the power source. Wi-Fi card you can put in there. It's not like you know a lot about this. Like it's your job or something. <laughs> <laughs> Loser. <laughs> Alex, what is the panic attack philosophy? Oh, uh... Well, I was uh, <laughs> smoking, uh, but I had I to was go, redacted. Yeah, I had to uh, go into Target because Anaya needed like some something, and she was busy. So I, I go into Target, but like I'm way too fried. Uh, <laughs> fried in a Target, like the, it was a weird like de evolution of like my my fucking brain essentially. Where that I walk into Target and I'm way too far gone. And I immediately just like start breaking down. Like I'm looking for this thing that isn't like I've looked through this entire store. I've asked people where it is. It doesn't exist in this store. Certified weed moment. And so I'm in Target for like about an hour, uh, like freaking out of my mind. Uh, (laughs) Why not just leave and be like, they don't have it? Because I'm having a panic attack, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> you fuck. But why even panic? Uh, <laughs> when you're high as fuck, anything panics you. You're like, oh god, I can't okay. find a toilet paper. This is bias. I've never really had like a panic attack. Like I on acid, I've had some moments that felt like panic attacks, but never ever like on weed or anything. This, so it's very foreign experience to me. This is probably the worst I've ever had it. Damn. Uh but like for the most part, like whenever I like I whenever I feel a panic attack on coming, I like it takes me literally like 10 minutes. I just sit down. I think it out. I'm like, what's wrong? And then I just go through essentially the philosophy of me. Right. <laughs> and it's like I, I dissect the problem and then I'm good. Like I'm good. I can keep going on my business. I made peace with my inner fucking demon, essentially. And that's uh, like the main proponent of panic attacks like that is like you get into a thought loop or you get stuck on one thought that is just so prominent in your mind that you can't get it out. Yeah, I used to never have panic attacks up until like maybe two or three years ago. And it just like it started coming and it's like, well, uh, I would have panic attacks while driving a lot of a lot of times just because, you know, I've gotten into a fuck ton of accidents or I've gotten into a lot of close calls. Probably a little bit of PTSD. Most likely, but like it, it kind of just sucks. And, you yeah. know, I like I've, I've learned to cope with it pretty well, but there is, I'll, I will say that like after it's so, cause there's so many thoughts that went on in my head during this moment. But like, I will say that like, I don't think I'll have another panic attack. You've I, mastered them. I, I think that this one, I'm this professional la- <laughs> panic attacker. This last one was so intense and like, it felt so real that I feel like I've kind of just coped. Like it's, I don't know if it's that easy. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's that easy either. Because you can have a panic see. attack based on something else, and it's just based on how you think. I think knowing, like going through one, because I feel the, uh, a similar way. Because like when I started, the only panic attacks I feel like I've really had in my life was was when I was starting middle school. I had I had a panic attack like the second day because I just couldn't transition. Mm. I was like going to a new school, like it was in the same district, but it was like all new people, um, and that was pretty tough. And then. When I had like a, a very large edible, um, <laughs> I had a really bad panic attack. That was not good. Uh, it's a similar situation to you where like now every time I smoke weed, I feel like more panic in- induced when I'm really high. Because mm. it's like I recognize that feeling of like, 
oh god, I'm really fucking high. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fair. I I I don't know how my mental state has changed, but I I do feel like a my brain bigger now. <laughs> <laughs> my mind was expanded by having a panic attack at Target. <laughs> I mean, I just think I'm more well equipped to deal with that kind of like line of thought now. Interesting. Yeah. Going through it once definitely will probably give you some insight on how to deal with them in the future, especially if getting over it the first time. Mm. Um, yeah, there's definitely there's probably like a a skill hump or whatever. Like the first time you experience <laughs> panic attack sounds like yeah. a skill issue. <laughs> <laughs> like there's probably like the first time you have a panic attack, it's fucking horrible. Like you have no idea how to deal with the emotions. Mm-hmm. You just like ride it out, and then like as they happen more frequently or less frequently or whatever like you kind of get a familiarity with that feeling and you, you can kind I of feel think like there's an it. easy way to like have just like a horrible time it's like you're building up the familiarity with it. it's like oh god it's coming yeah <laughs> yeah that's another thing too is like you being in the car or like me being very high it's like those are the things that bring us panic mm. just doing them normally and yeah. maybe it's something to say that you can handle it but you're still getting panic induced from just these mediocre tasks I think you can also psych yourself into one. Yeah, because you think that you're like, I'm going into the car. This is a dangerous situation for me because of what I know has happened in the past. It's also like sometimes really nervous when like it starts raining and I'm driving. Yeah. Yeah. I also, at least from things that I've heard, it'll be like they will have like um, they'll get some you'll get some feeling that is like similar to a feeling that you had during a panic attack. And then like you hyper fixate on it and then it like spirals out into a full blown panic attack. Yeah. For me, it's kind of like, there's like this bottomless pit that kind of like, like forms in my stomach where it's Mm. just like, I feel like my stomach is just like going down forever. And it's it's fucked up. Immense fear. Yeah. Your, your hands and feet kind of get tingly. Yeah, I had to. I literally had to sit down in like the little kids section of like <laughs> shoes at Target, just because like I know nobody's in that aisle. I don't want anyone to see me. Don't yeah. look at me. Just stay the fuck away. I need to sit down for a little while. You're in like the Where giant was... eagle's eagle nest like, <laughs> with the kids playing <laughs> Sonic Heroes. You're yeah, sitting in there like having you have blocks in your hands, like looking at them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, where was Anaya during all of this? She was at work. Oh, okay. I, I was sent on an errand. Oh, you know, okay. husband yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was like waiting in the car in the parking lot or some shit. Like <laughs> yeah, just for the just, whole hour. She's she's like having a panic attack like, on her own. It's taking a while. <laughs> oh, God. He's usually pretty quick. He's just in and out. My sister had a lot of panic attacks growing up and she still kind of does. Uh, but they were mostly based on the fear of death. Mm, and really? it was like anything that would bring her the idea of death or like things that were dangerous in general would give her like extreme anxiety. And that's something I feel like a lot of people, whether or not they have panic attacks about it, but they still deal with it. It's something that I think is still really common. Yeah. Are you guys, uh, do you guys think you're more afraid of uh, dying or death? I'm afraid of dying more, but I'm not really afraid of death. I think that's a, a good distinction to have. Yeah, I guess dying. Like, because I don't want to die in like some fucking horrific way. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I, I'd rather just like die of old age rather than like being on the street and getting mugged and then fucking stabbed and bleeding out to death or some crazy shit. Okay. And uh, if following this kind of line of thought, alternatively, when do you think life ends? Is it at death or is it at some point before you define life? Well, that that is the question. (laughs) Do you think life ends at death or do you feel that life ends 
uh, after or before? Like, do when does life end when your history ends, or does life end when you've given up on uh, continuing? Those are some of the thoughts that I had. Well, it's like, where does life end? Yeah, I feel like with the second part, I, I like I'm not sure if I have a total, like, complete answer on that. But no, that's like, fair. Yeah, it, it's something to think. But about. I, I think like on the like the no second part experience. where you said like is it where you just like give up or whatever i feel like it wouldn't be there because it's like you know it, it, they someone is still obviously like alive like even if they're like miserable and they like want to die you yeah. know what i mean like i i think personally i would probably define life as like the conscious experience you know like I don't really believe in like a soul or anything. Giving up is part of that conscious experience. And it's like, therefore you perpetuate life by simply existing. Wait, can you like reword that question or ask it in a different way? Okay. So you are saying that you think that life continues even after you have given up on it. Like you, let's say that. No, I think that consciousness arises from the, uh, parts that we have in our brain right mm. like the the experience that i have right now is due to emergent properties of like every single part of my brain working together to give me the experience right so for so you- when the when the brain stops working and like you know there's no there's no conscious experience there you know what i mean like the um and there's no like ability to have one in the future because obviously like people who are sleeping they're not having a conscious experience but they're going to wake up. You know what I mean? Okay. Like their brain's just kind of turned off or whatever. So but like for yeah. you, life is a physical experience that is perpetuated by experiencing things, uh, essentially physically. I guess. Yeah. Cause like, I don't believe in a soul or like okay. many like immaterial things. Like, I think it's possible that like maybe reincarnation exists in some way, but I think that's like, it would be a new life in some essence. You know what I mean? Okay. You'd have because to go like, through death to be able to yeah. get to that point in the first place. Cause like the, the con the conscious experience, like, like we don't know what happens beyond death. And like, from mm-hmm. our understanding, the conscious experience is null, <laughs> null and void. Once, yeah. you, <laughs> once you get to a certain point, you're um, experiencing death right now. Yeah. To this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I think death, I think life ends um, basically when, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it ends at consciousness. I think it ends when your like, physical body does not have any sort of process going on in it anymore. Like your heart stops, your brain stops, nothing is alive with you anymore. Because consciousness, I think, doesn't directly determine life. Because, I mean, there's so much life that doesn't have like a greater consciousness or even like what? consciousness at all. Plants. How do you know they don't have a conscious experience? Well, it's like, how do we even measure that in the first place? You can, well, well yeah. you can tell if things yeah. have a consciousness because of the way that their neurons act in the yeah. brain. Um, maybe plants have like a very, very derivative, a form very, of a very basic form. So I guess no conscious isn't really the the best explanation of it, but like a very, very low level of consciousness, which is basically comparable to no consciousness at all. I think there's a lot of consciousness is more like a spectrum that we can't really measure. So I feel like it's not really good to say that it's life. Let's think about it like this: if there was a guy. Who had the IQ of a plant? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like this person. Let's say, like this person can breathe and they can drink water and they can like they can utter certain phrases or whatever. They're all you know? but a vegetable. Yeah, they're <laughs> 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 like like is this person alive? Yeah. Okay. 
But I feel you're, like you're thinking I'm saying the exact opposite of what I'm they're saying. They're alive, but they aren't living. <laughs> okay. I'm saying no matter what, I'm not saying consciousness has anything to do with life. Oh, I think okay. it's definitely a part of living, but uh, that's what I was saying oh, is like okay. consciousness is not directly proportional to death because there's so many ranges of consciousness that you can have. Saying that, yeah, but we can measure like we know when like plants die or like or well, I guess we can. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like you can't tell. It doesn't matter if plants have a consciousness or not because they're still alive in some sense of the the word. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It doesn't matter how well they can think or how well they can like analyze situations because death isn't uh, like a consciousness isn't a direct like component of life in no, general. It's, it's just a component of our life because consciousness is such an important thing in our lives. I'd like to say that this question was brought up to me in the middle of work. Just randomly, just <laughs> this randomly question is brought to you by me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I was literally just sitting there uh, randomly. And you know, my, my coworker, uh, she is an actor and she... I don't know, just very... We, we end up having like these very well thought questions and it's it's a kind of like conversation that i'd never really ever in my life expected to just have rant like i would expect it to have with you guys so you're cheating on us you yeah, have another podcast <laughs> i have another podcast where we don't record <laughs> that's just it's, what conversations are bro. <laughs> that's actually interesting because i i also when i worked at um the tutoring place mm -hmm. they um you remember chris we would always like argue or like debate shop, like shop like a chop shop philosophy. yeah we chop shop yeah but we would like um we were very friend like in friendly ways we would argue about like because they were how much you hated each other yeah exactly and... well they they were a catholic uh they're they're very oh, they're yeah, very yeah, much yeah. like in uh involved in like the catholic lifestyle and the culture and everything like that and they know a lot about the religion too because you know they study it and so, like, we just have, like, a lot of interesting conversations. Do they hate you know, the like, gays? No, they don't. They actually, they identify as, like, non-binary. That's oh, why they go by Chris. Good for them. Yeah, but they're Catholic, which I find interesting. But hey, Yeah, that um, is really interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about non-binaries. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, the loophole. Because, <laughs> like, they're generally, like, an accepting person. Like, they're not the... They're not boomer Catholic. They're not, yeah. Progressive well, Although, Catholic. generally, Catholics tend to be more progressive than other Christians. Like versus like Protestants and shit. I feel like that's so strange to me though. Fucking hate a well, like think about it. Like the fucking Pope is like okay with abortion and is like saying shit like uh, treat the world better because like climate change is real and shit like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Protestant churches are like God created the world for us and we can do whatever we want. Six thousand years old. Yeah. Small like, disclaimer: we don't have a problem with you, just your religion. <laughs> yeah. Just some people who are part of the religion. Yes. I feel like with how many are the bad practices that Catholics still do, like very strictly, it would it's kind of surprising to me that they're relatively open. It was more so that they just have like they're just like they're, they're just insular. Like they they have like um like if if I'm if my family is Catholic, you know what I mean, then I'm gonna tell my family to do Catholic things, but I'm not gonna like tell other people to like force them to be Catholic or whatever. Yeah, religion yeah. is a very fluid thing. Uh like it, by all means, technically, I am considered like a like a Catholic. But by all, like that, that I was really Catholic ends, as well. That that relationship ends by extent of my family. Will I take some of those like Catholic ideals into maybe my life going forward? Yes, but will I? Do I necessarily identify with the the Catholic Church? Maybe not. There was a really interesting. Uh, Thing that happened in my life, I guess, where I was when I was in freshman year, 
um, I was living at my dad's house, the, ho- the house that I grew up with, or grew up in, rather. Um, There's an I, upside down cross that kept spinning every, <laughs> every night. No, no, no. The house was haunted, but not I would not, turn not it over crazy. and it would end up like that. Um, there was an angel in there. Because my, my family was, my mom was Methodist. My dad was pretty Catholic. His, his parents were his super method? Catholic. Methodist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was born, we stopped going to church and we stopped doing a, like a lot of very religious activities. So my sisters got a, a lot more of that, uh, a lot more of that than I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, but as soon as I was born, my mom became very sick and my dad had to basically just work all the time. So we didn't really have time to go and practice all the usual things that you do in a religion because I don't know how I don't know what church we were going to. You I think it was a Methodist church. Like three times a day facing the sun. <laughs> no. <laughs> and there was America. a when I was living there, uh, my dad didn't spend a lot of time there. I was basically just living there by myself. Um, so I was just like, I had to go change the the Wi-Fi or I had to go reset the Wi-Fi box like countless times because it wasn't great Wi-Fi. You're training for your job early. Yeah. <laughs> when I was 14. Um so I was just rummaging around through like a back room and I found a notepad that my dad had um, that he was just writing at work or whatever. And I was I was just reading it. and It was really interesting to me because like th- when he was maybe 30 or 40, he was going through this. Uh, I'm, I'm outing my dad right now. <laughs> he was going through kind of a, a stage in his life where he was raised. He was raised super Catholic. Like his parents were um, pretty stern about it. And later in life, you could, I was like reading through these note pages of like him just, it was kind of like a therapy session for himself that he was just doing at he work. Was journaling. Yeah, he was journaling. Every dude's got a journal. Hell yeah. Um, I got a journal. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> um, and it was really cool seeing Me that too. because I, he was going through like a, a, a stage in his life that I went through basically this like line for line, like things that I was thinking about too. Like I, I became agnostic or I guess atheist and then agnostic later in life. But I started becoming atheist when I was a teenager. And it was interesting reading his notes because they were parallel to mine without even knowing the same kind of thing. It's kind of interesting how like universal the struggles of like uh, essentially just faith, uh, I guess. Because you don't see it in everyday life like you, you, they're they're saying a lot of it's internalized and it has to be like self dealt. I think it's just placebo. uh, I think it's like more generalized because I I don't even think it's in faith. I, I think. Honestly, I, th- I feel like people don't see their parents as like human beings. You know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. in like, not like that they're like these horrible monsters or whatever, but more so that they don't necessarily understand like, you know, your mom has complex feelings and yeah, went through their own. Aloof, yeah. Uh, compared <laughs> they, to children. Every well, no, parent it's not, is just it's the Charlie that. Brown parent. It's just every child is focused on their own life and they didn't live the life of their parents. So they just don't have that perspective. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You come in to the world where they already have like 20, 30 years of experience or whatever. And so it's like you can it's like easy to just ignore and be like, you know, like question all the conclusions or whatever that they made because it's like they never even like they went through their life and they made those conclusions in the way that they did you know but you're just you're coming in now as like this new individual and like you know you didn't see any of that process play out you know what i mean literally just now sunk into me that i am around the same age my parents were when i was like just existing yeah. And that is, it's kind of weird because, like, I have this perspective on yeah, life. Th- think and- about everything you've gone through. Yeah. And, like, now just put that onto your parents. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? That like, is kind of funny. It's literally, it's literally well. that. 
and and sometimes they've gone through way more shit than you oh, you know yeah. what i mean especially because like you know i feel like a lot of people it gets lost on a lot of people like how privileged we are you know like to be honest like you know i wake up every day i'm able to get on a computer access any information i want ever you know what i mean pirate any piece of soft never mind um <laughs> but like i could do anything i want you know what i mean I, I i have so many opportunities available to me that like you know they didn't have like my mom didn't even have fucking air conditioning you know yeah. what i mean my mom didn't have like fucking running hey, mom, water much, half the time how much software did you pirate? yeah like yeah exactly <laughs> And it's just like, it's easy to just like not think about that. Yeah. Be like, yeah. you know, they, they got everything handed to them because their house cost $15. It cost $15 because there was like barely any running water and there was yeah. no AC or nothing else. You know what I mean? So like, you know, I feel like it's just easy to lose that perspective and yeah. kind of dehumanize your parents in that way. Definitely. And uh, what was what was most interesting to me is just like the direct parallel of me going through this experience and my yeah. dad writing it down and everything because going through a breakup like at work, I was also journaling, just writing random shit that I just couldn't get out of my mind or yeah. whatever. And it was just journaling and like on like graph paper. And <laughs> I, it just brought me back to that notebook again, because I'm yeah. like, damn, I really am sitting in office just like my dad was going through like these struggles. Yeah. It's also weird. <laughs> this is com almost kind of completely unrelated, but like just the way that like like I look like a carbon copy of my mom, really? <laughs> like as a dude, you know what I mean? Like parents, no you're so hot <laughs> <laughs> parents and their kids are like insane. <laughs> <laughs> they Gen go hard. <laughs> jeans, jeans are crazy, bro. I'm not yeah, even they, It also, not only is it a physical appearance, appearance thing, but it's the way that you act and the way that yeah. you think about things. Cause my dad, um, struggled with depression a lot and yeah. you could see it in, like in these note pages and like later on in life and I can see like him trying to be a dad to me now is him like regretting not being there when he was a kid and I have yeah. a good relationship with my dad now than That's good. more than I did when I was a teenager or whatever um, but it's it's interesting that I can recognize that he's like trying to put in more effort yeah. and like be more of a dad be there for me and everything because yeah, you, you see them as a person you know what I mean like it like you know, I feel you like stop being your dad. Now he's a friend. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's like I'm friends with my dad. <laughs> when you're a kid, there's like a separation where it's like this person is like taking care of you, and like mm -hmm. they like they have this responsibility to do this, 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 and this. Whereas like once you reach like a certain age, you you sort of see like the where your parents fuck up and the breakdowns in the parenting and you see like the human aspect of them and you see yeah. like you know it's it's not that easy you know i did a lot of fuck shit that like if i was the parent to me like i don't know how i'd handle you know yeah and like same thing like with a lot of other kids that i hear like stories from other people just in general i'm like jesus christ you're insane <laughs> if you were my kid i would fucking <laughs> I would abort you. <laughs> I'd go post birth abortion. <laughs> yeah, my I'm my really mom liberal. worked a lot of long hours. Uh, he is super. <laughs> the further down the liberal line you go, the older you <laughs> get with abortion. abortion. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mom worked a lot of long hours when I was like from ten to maybe fifteen, uh, where she was just like. Cons she worked at like a minimum wage job so yeah. she was putting in a lot of hours that she probably could have been doing something else and getting more money for and coming home to like just me screaming at call of duty i yeah. would be like 
God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't eaten and I've been up no, since like 12 p.m. Yeah. It's like Dude, 7 p.m. My, my mom was a single mom of like three boys. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't know if I'd do I would that. abandon us. <laughs> I would abandon us immediately. Like, thank you, mom. I love you so much. Yeah. I had an aunt who had, uh, I, I have three boy cousins and they were like all teenagers around the time where she was like a single mom as well. And, but they were like, some crazy dudes yeah. like they would like fist fight each other <laughs> jesus christ so i can imagine because her husband i think like it was i was really young but i'm pretty sure he died which was really unfortunate um either oh. like three years after i was born yeah, weird, maybe maybe weird he's not mystery that maybe i wasn't involved in <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I two years old i'm like stewie um i think he died later but i think they just got a rough divorce when i was younger i may uh, be mixing okay. that up i don't know the exact history of my family <laughs> He got divorced after he died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to see other people. Yeah. You're not putting in a lot of effort into this relationship. <laughs> um, We're not hanging out as much as we used to. <laughs> Don't take my ashes anywhere. <laughs> what talking about. Listen, she, my aunt literally did that on a vacation, but it was with her other husband that actually did die like uh, later in life. Jesus. Well, she, she remarried somebody else and then he died later on, which was also very unfortunate. Kind of mysterious. There is a, yeah, there's a, there's a plot going on yeah. here. I think. She has another husband right now, I'm pretty sure. So I'm like, you better give him some warnings. <laughs> My other two husbands have died. <laughs> Just a fair warning. You like, you like go to a dinner or something, like a dinner party at your aunt's house. You like slip him a note on the table. Beware. Yeah. He opens up his fortune cookie and there's just like, like a do not trust others. <laughs> the deepest D note ever on the piano <laughs> as soon as he opens it. Boom. He reads it and he's like, what is your limit of consciousness? Where do you draw the line? Where do you think life ends? <laughs> yeah, he, he tells you to define life. And then my aunt's sitting across the table with like the thinkers, hand, oh, yeah. the hand placement the just get, staring at him. Hands. Life ends after you drink your wine, honey. <laughs> do it now. You love wine. Yeah. Um, seeing that kind of stress in, in her life, I can definitely see like how parents go wrong. Yeah. She was, I think she was kind of neglectful of my cousin's. But also, it's like it's hard not you, to be neglectful. Yeah, it's children. like, it's like I mean, they require one hundred and fifty. How do you not neglect a kid? Like, <laughs> well, come on, it requires more than a hundred percent of all your fucking attention. Come no, on, they're literally asking enough. for it. <laughs> you want to be neglected, don't you, little bitch? Kids Go play fucking, fucking Call of Duty. Kids shitting on himself, and he expects me to help him. Like, come yeah, on, he's, play, he's playing Mafia Two right now, and he's shitting himself. I mean. <laughs> I'm not talking about like just being like actively neglectful. I'm talking about like how having three boys that have all that all have like different needs. Or yeah, you can't show very, it. It's you can't show equal attention. Yeah, yeah. You can't Especially show. Especially if yeah. you're a single parent, like working Definitely. these long hours with all these kids at home. It's like you you cannot do it. It's yeah. like physically impossible. I would like to say, though, that being an only child is not the solution to that problem. No. <laughs> only children. It, I've been watching you guys. <laughs> 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 he's an only child yeah I'm, that's what I'm saying oh, okay well it's like it's kind of interesting to see the dynamic of how people act in friend groups because they were only children it's like oh, they yeah. act a little bit more um, cringe yeah yeah <laughs> cringe and baby no no I'm beyond this I I know I'm <laughs> <cringe>. <laughs> no I'm not trying to diss people with uh like no siblings or whatever but it's like <laughs> no it's <siblings>. definitely <laughs> they definitely have like a different personality than if you had siblings and people definitely. with huge families have a way different dynamic they're probably yeah. like a little bit more responsible but also a little bit more 
Um, it depends on their role in the family. Yeah. Like if, because a lot of those people with big families, like the older kids had to take care of the younger ones and that's where they yeah. get the responsibility. Definitely. Shit. But also they lose a lot of other freedoms yeah, and shit as a young kid. Freedoms you know? is a good uh, aspect of that because like you have so much more responsibility. You may not even have a social life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're forced to be a middle-aged man at 13. Dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the <laughs> thing. Like I, it's weird because There's like sometimes they're extremely selfish like, I'm glad that I'm alive, you know, believe it or not. Cringe. Um, parents just like use their kids to, to, to like do shit. Yeah, I, I know a I mean? lot of fucked up like, shit about that because it's it's mostly younger parents that I've seen yeah. do this where they don't really know how to handle life in general and they have kids. They pawn that it off to also, their kids. They're not, I don't think they're like mature or responsible enough to have these kind of kids yeah. to be able to raise this kind of family. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that people don't realize is that if you want to make your ideal family, it is so much more of a daunting task than you fucking realize. Like you have yeah. to deal with the actual unpredictable entity that is your kid <laughs> and your kid. It goes back to and what Anthony. It goes yeah. back to what Anthony said earlier too. Is like where kids don't feel like their parents are actually human beings, just like them. It's yep. like the parents. I think also have that dichotomy. Yeah, there's True. a disconnect on both sides where it's like you have expectations of each other. Yeah, and one of them is confused. The other one is. Uh, misunderstanding what they really want to do mm -hmm. and then you end up having just like experiment children experiment that's the first kid <laughs> it's, it's also first, like the first kid yeah i was gonna say i think there's also like a tradition a, like a deep deep uh familial tradition of like kids young not even that but like um when we lived in fucking feudal times or whatever people would have like they would attempt to have as many kids as possible because one, a bunch of them were going to die at childbirth and two, it made tilling the fucking fields way easier because yeah, you had you free labor. You breed <laughs> you know your I mean? own yeah. labor. So yeah, like, 18 kids. Yeah. And I think there's like an aspect of that culture where we have like the idea of everyone in America has to own a home and like, you know, the idea of the homestead and like your lawn or all this other shit. It's like your kids are your free laborers that are there to fucking till those fields and make sure that it's like, you know, you're doing the Lord's work. That yeah. sounds kind of like a really good idea for a, for a porn game. I'm ending the Ill podcast. <laughs>